talented Oliver Scott. Oliver is an actor, director and presenter and it's such a pleasure to have him on to have a chat with us. Thank you for joining me Oliver. What a lovely introduction. Ah thanks well you are lovely so you needed a lovely introduction. So Oliver do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself a little bit about who you are and what you do? Who am I, what do I do, where do I come from? Well, I'm originally from Cambridgeshire, um, and I've worked all around the UK. I started life as an actor, but very quickly had ideas, and I thought, oh, I want to push myself. So then I went into directing, and then directing moved me into teaching. So um, I, I, I very quickly started teaching at various schools, and drama schools, and academies, and universities around the UK, which I'm still doing. Um, but before all of that, I started life working as a radio presenter. That was my first professional job in, in the industry. So I worked in commercial radio for five years while sort of starting my training. And then obviously went to drama school, which I went to the Guildford School of Acting. Um, and then from then, I started working in the wonderful world of theatre, um, which I consider myself very lucky to be in um, because I think it's the greatest job in the world um, to get to meet loads of people, to talk to those people to perform, to create, it's just, it's just, we're, we're very lucky to tell these stories, so shall we say, uh, through, through the medium of the theatre. Yeah, 100%. I think this industry has the power to do so many things, and I think it's um, a really, really amazing thing to be a part of. So what is your day-to-day life outside of lockdown, because we are currently in a lockdown, but um, when you're outside and when the theatres and everything is back up and running in our industry, what is your life like on a rehearsal day and how does that differ from show days for you? Oh, well, that's, uh, so let, let's talk about a couple of questions there. Let's talk about day-to-day working. So generally, I often do, I'm lucky enough to do about three or four shows a year and some of them I'm an actor some of them I'm a director, and at Christmas I'm a director and an actor. Um, and in between that, I, I, I teach at probably four or five um, drama schools, universities and academies uh, across, the, across the country. So I'm constantly, I feel like I'm constantly in prep. I feel like one of the things we can learn is, uh, is the better you prep, the harder, the harder you work outside of the job, the easier the job, uh, the easier the job is, and the better you are. So I feel like I'm constantly planning. Um, so the balance um, is a lot of travelling, whether by train or by car, um, to various places. So I spend a lot of time thinking in the car, um, and also talking on my mobile phone. Not hands free, by the way. Um, <laughs> don't commit to uh, to breaking the law. Uh, but I spend a lot of time like having meetings while I'm driving, and also catching up with people. Um, but. Yeah, so it's a that's a that's a different blend. So generally, say from um, I normally finish panto in middle of January, uh, and then I then I teach the the spring term um, and direct some showcases and direct some student projects in the first year, uh, and then I I normally go away in, uh, on tour from Easter to probably the summer middle of the summer. I'm generally lucky enough, and I consider it lucky enough to be to do an outside production in the summer, uh, which takes up my summer months with. Or in the odd um, summer school, 
Uh, and then it's a really exciting time because also the, in, in July we see our students graduate from the various institutions that are working and see them starting their career, which is so, so important. Um, that we push those people and make them as prepared as they possibly can be for the for the industry. Um, which is also a good time probably to say, if you've, ever, if you've ever learned to drive or you can drive, training is like learning to drive. Training is going for your driving lessons. And then as soon as you pass your test and you're in your car on your own, that's when you learn how to drive. And that's exactly like the, the, the theatre industry. You do all your training, you're normally as fit as you'll ever be when you graduate. Uh, and that's when you really learn. That's when you're out there. You learn on the job. Your training prepares you for it, but you learn on the job. And just like driving when you're out there. And then September starts, and we start all over again. We're bringing <laughs> new students, and it's like our first day of school again. Because um, I'm nervous as a teacher because you, you've got to win the students' faith and their confidence and them over. And then we start that from September. And then I start my Christmas season, middle of November. Some some years I direct two Christmas shows, some years I direct one Christmas show. Last year I directed two Christmas shows. I was lucky enough to direct um, Wind in the Willows at, at the Broadway Theatre in Metro Garden City. And then I went straight into Panto, which I direct and I'm in. Um, and I've been up in, in Cheshire for the last five years in the same theatre um, with a wonderful team. So that's my general year, I think, um, pushed about. But constantly prepping. Day-to-day -day life, did you say about re um, between rehearsals and performance? What yeah, like? so in, in a rehearsal day, is there a set time you get up and do your rehearsals and then what do you come home and do in the evening? And how does that change with shows and show timings and things? Yeah, well, if you um, if you know me quite well, you'll know I don't really sleep very often. I'm, I'm often up late preparing or just chat, chatting a lot. Um, you, um, Especially if you're in, especially if you're away and you're in digs with the rest of the cast or with the crew, it's like you're being back at drama school. You're messing around. You're up too late and up and out. You're in such a bubble. Um, from a, from rehearsals, say from a rehearsal from a director point of view, you don't stop. You don't switch off because at lunch times you break the cast for lunch and then the backstage or the crew or the tech team will come and talk to you about an element of the show. So you spend half your lunch talking about props or you're talking about the design of the show, or the stage manager has a question how something's going to work, and the stage manager will say, well, they often start the conversation is, Oliver, I don't think that'll work. And then, and then it's my job to convince them that it will work, or they'll say, Oliver, I think that's going to be against health and safety or the risk assessment. And you will turn around and say, oh, but come on, it's going to look amazing. <laughs> and then you try and talk around half of the, uh, for half the lunch. And then, um, then, so you don't stop as a director, unless you're doing a musical. And as a, when you're directing a musical, it's brilliant because at the day where the cast are with the choreographer and you don't have a group to direct or they have it, they're in they're in vocals and you're like you're sitting there and thinking, well, what am I doing? Um, so, so that's great, but it's, it's it's generally long it's generally long days, especially when you start running the show the last couple of days of rehearsals, especially if you're directing a panto and you've got to get the youngsters and the juniors and the babes, panto babes, which are like the real little ones the R factor, and that you've got four sets of them. So you're with the principals from like 10 o'clock in the morning. I sometimes, if you talk to some of my cast, I push them and bring them in at half night so we're ready to go at 10. Uh, and then the, then the juniors come in at six o'clock and you're there till eight o'clock. So generally long days. Um, and then you go into tech, which is a completely, my favorite part as a director is tech, because you get to see it all come together and you get to see a vision come alive. 
it's also the time when you really have to compromise a lot because you have this idea and you get into the theatre and you realise it won't work uh, and you compromise it to make it work or something that you thought was going to be okay and it looks amazing which becomes your favourite part uh, and then um, it opens the show opens and as a director which is really weird because when, you, when you're an actor you prime yourself for dress rehearsal and opening but for, for a director you sort of go the other way you work really hard at the beginning and you sort of you see the work come to life and kind of, and then you slowly, all you're doing is making notes and you're sitting there and then you're energised through tech, pushing it all together and and then you, then it's open and you sort of just have to make a few notes and you disappear and let the cast do the, their thing. And as an actor, you have to go the other way where you start in rehearsals, concentrating, making notes, blocking, learning choreography, learning harmonies, really putting your character part, thinking of really what is this character you're playing? Who is it you're playing? And then you think you know your lines and then you put your book down in rehearsals and you don't know your lines. You know, then you go back in the evening learning your lines and then and then all of a sudden you, it, it's like a it, it's like a jigsaw puzzle that comes together and you, you think you know your track off by heart and you know your choreography about thinking about it and it becomes natural and then this your character really starts to come alive and i always say it's your internal energy you find the internal energy of your character and then you peak for opening night um, and, and beyond um, so you sort of pass the director on the way up. So it's, it's, it's wonderful. And then one, once the show opens, it's, it's the most amazing feeling in the sense that, you know, you might have got this, you might have signed the contract in March and you start rehearsals in October, November, and you work so hard in rehearsals. Like, it's really weird because I, you get paid more once the show opens, but you work harder in rehearsals. Um, and the, the show opens and... Once you've got a show that you can relax into and feel comfortable, it's a brilliant feeling. Because you always look at your script, I always look at my script thinking, how the hell am I going to learn that? Let alone when I'm getting a costume change or my choreography or my blocking or my movements or, you know, feel the character. And then you relax into it and that's that's the danger as an actor because you can sometimes relax too much and that's when that's when uh, you have to have a word with yourself and go, come on, keep yourself switched on um, to keep the consistency um, of being a performer. So, yeah, so I think, you know, early mornings in rehearsals and then if you've just got on a matinee and evening show, you've got the mornings off once the show opens. But it's all, it's all part of it. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's all part of it. Um, you often work later in, when the show's open because the curtain goes up at 7, 7.30, it comes down about half nine, ten o'clock. You find yourself in the pub for a couple of beers to chill out after and um, you go home and you're still, you're still thinking about the show at one o'clock in the morning and then the alarm goes up. It's, 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 it's yeah. All days are the best thing about working in theatre is every day is a different day. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. And when you are finishing a contract, you've just finished maybe a panto that's run on for a couple of months and you go to sleep and then the next day you wake up. What do you do on that day? When that contract is over, what do you enjoy to do the days after or what do you feel you need to do for yourself after a long contract? Well, it's a horrible feeling when a show comes to an end. Um, last year, we done, I done a UK tour of Alice in Wonderland, and we done thirty odd venues, and we've been all around the country, all around the from down as down as Cornwall, across up to Bridlington, across the Blackpool, to to down to Horsham, to Eastbourne. We went all around the country, um, and you look at a map. There wasn't much of the country that you didn't you didn't cover. And this show's literally for so long, it's really weird saying goodbye to a show. And it's one of those things, I, I do hate saying goodbye to a show. I get quite emotional sometimes. 
the, um, the, the closer it gets to the end of a run. And I'm one of those people that I hate taking, especially a part that I loved, I hate taking my costume off for the last time. I sort of I leave it on for as long as possible and slowly take it off. Um, I don't know, you sleep a lot because, especially Panto, where you're doing two shows a day, and I always play the comic, so I play the wishy-washy role, um, the silly Billy the Buttons role, where it's high energy. And I, I do Panto with a, a lot of the same people. So you are in a bubble where there's loads of in-jokes and it's that drive home, I suppose, that three-hour drive home, and you get back, you're standing in your kitchen, we have a cup of tea, and it's just sort of, it's just a weird feeling after. I don't know, you sleep a lot, and then you try and catch up with life, and, and catch up with family and friends, and just try to recover. Um, I think last year, uh, we, we finished on New Year's Day in Panto, and I went to watch a sister production of the same theatre company, went to watch their show on the second, and um, I found myself for a, with a job on the third or the fourth in London, and then we was having our Christmas day on the 5th of January. And then all the family was coming around at 2 o'clock, 1 o'clock, something like that. And I was still in bed at half 12. That's when I woke up. I was like, oh, my God. Because I was just catching up. I don't know. It's a weird feeling. You feel empty. You feel knackered. And it's horrible. But I also love day one of rehearsals. And so just, and, and as a director, to create a show. So to, to create a show and go through that whole process again, you have to finish a show. So it's, it, 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 it links together quite nicely. Yeah, I always find that there is that low after the high. You've finished, like, the then you see, like, the get out of the theatre, most people, and they're watching all the set leave, and you're like, oh, my goodness, it's over. And then there's that horrible feeling inside of you, and the next day you're like, right, what do I do with myself? But I always find that I need to have a day to just clear my head and plan what I'm going to do over the next couple of weeks and just have a day watching absolute nonsense on Netflix just because it just distracts you and helps you refresh your mind, I think, a little bit. It's, I don't know, I someone I stream about two years ago, I played the role of Puck, which is one of my favourite characters of all time. Um, I love, I adore Shakespeare. You might remember when I was teaching you about that, you know, I just love it. I, I just quote a Shakespeare line from <laughs> I love it. And I was playing Puck and it was such a great show. Great cast, outside, brilliant. And I remember finishing it on like the Sunday afternoon. And then Monday was a bit of a blur and I had all day on Tuesday to my recovery recovery day. And I put BBC4 on and Midsummer Night's Dream was on. And, and it was a scene with Oberon. And I saw it. I was perked up a little bit um, and, and responded with the right line. Um, but yeah, so it's, it, 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 it's just that, it's that, Coming out of that bubble is weird. It's that come down. It is, and it is a come down. It is a come down. Yeah, but it's exciting to know that there's another chapter and you're going to go somewhere and see where it goes. And I think that's that's always a really exciting time as well. well that's the worry. That's the pressure. We never get as actors. We never obviously work. We, we, if you're lucky enough to return to a theatre company, mm. you're pretty sure that they'll ask you back. Well, ninety percent sure you're they'll ask you back, especially if you work with them like. I've done over the years. But you're never guaranteed. There's always someone better than you. So when you finish your show, you think, oh, hopefully it's not the last time. Hopefully I will get out. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's always that getting back up and starting auditioning again while it's a nice, fresh chapter. There's always that, I had money coming in for the last three months and now there's no guarantee that I'm going to have that security and be in a nice cast and do this nice job. Um, but it's it's kind of one of those things that you were saying earlier about 
Um, you learn how to drive first when you're in training, and then you actually learn how to drive when you when you graduate. You pass, you know, and you go out into the industry, and it teaches you so many life lessons about who you are. And I think it's a massive thing when you're a self-employed performer to go out there and get yourself the work, make those connections. And as soon as you finish a contract, yeah, you have like a recovery time, but it's about knowing what you're going to do for yourself to help you in your career in the next next section, really, isn't it? Yeah. And I think that, like, the best thing you do, the best thing sometimes, maybe if you're doing a long job, um, I think it is good to get away. I think it is, I made that mistake this year. I didn't go away in January. I normally go skiing in January with my brothers and my dad to convert an annual trip this year. My brothers have got lots of children now, so it's, it made it difficult. Um, but it's great just to get away and just, just to do something different. Um, to recharge your batteries because it does take up so much of here and here and energy. Um, and I made a mistake this year, I didn't because luckily enough I was going on to something else in January, but I did feel it a little bit. But then we just had, we've just had seven months off, so we were all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've all been given a holiday that we didn't know we were getting. Yeah, we've had a seven months vacation, which um, none of us booked, but all of us have been all of us have gone on. Uh, yeah, I mean, to be fair, I think I've been working longer hours than I ever have before. It's been madness. Um, but yeah, that's just part and parcel of, of the job, really. Um, how does your... So when you're being a creative and a performer, how does that work for you? Do you struggle to find the balance between, okay, this is the time I need to dedicate to my character and my scenes to... I need to look at this with the rest of the cast. Like, how do you find that balance? Well, it's only really panto where I do both. Um, and you'll find a lot of panto companies, they do often have the dame or the comic directs and ambies. It is a bit of a tradition for panto, um, especially with long-running pantos, where, I mean, like the cast are, are, in, the same, are in the same venue year on year. Um, it doesn't mean that you, you're on your own. So... I have one. I have a couple of wonderful choreographers that I work with. That I turn around and say, "You're the director today. You need to know me." But because because I'm not playing because I every year in Panto I play the same role, um, and I think this can only really work in, in Panto. I've done a few other shows where I've made the cameo appearances, but you know it can only really work in Panto because Panto is different to everything else. Panto is a skill and it's a completely different art. So I play the comic, and you can turn around and say that it's a heightened version of me, um, my Panto character. I am, I've got, I've got quite, I'm known to have quite a lot of energy, and um, I, I do like a laugh, and um, I suppose I'm, at times I'm a bit childish. So it suits, it suits my Panto down down to, to a T. So if you come and watch me in the, in, in, in the Grange Theatre in Norfolk, where I do Panto, I play the same role every year, but I've got a different name. But that's the on-running gag, I suppose. And the audience come to see that. The guy that plays opposite me, Rob, he's he's the pantomime day. We've been together for five years on, as a partnership on stage. So we know each other inside out. So we don't have to build our chemistry. We know we know what each other's thinking. We know what um, we, we know who's gonna if it's gonna do it be an ad lib, we can just feel it, we've got that connection. Um, and it's routines that we've done loads of times. So it's, it's routines that we can we can rehearse together. Um, so that's that's sort of it helps us. Um, and then we have other members of the cast that return every year as well. So they sort of understand what goes on. So it's but for 
matter. It's making sure that you tell the story. So it's those prince roles, the princesses roles, the fairy roles, the villain roles. Make sure they're bringing the story out. So I spend a lot of time with them and directing them. So I always say for the first five days, for the first four, for the first four or five days, I turn up and I'm the director. I'm in it, but I'm the director. So I, when, when we're blocking it, when we're moving it, I, I, I'm standing as the director and I often skip my scenes and, and I just make sure everyone else is happy um, and everyone else is knows exactly what they're doing. I'm working on their characters, I'm giving them feedback, I'm talking to them, I'm listening to them. So that happens for the first four days and we get the show blocked quite quickly. Um, so A, I can relax and B, I, can, I, I know everyone else is happy. And once I know everyone else is happy and, um, and are settled, I then go back and I worry about me a little bit more. And obviously with Panto, there's so much going on. You've got the special acts, you've got the, the choreography, you've got the vocals, you've got the sloshing, you've got all these different elements. So it's not just like when, we, when I direct a play, um, it's just you and the cast really. So, you know, it's, it's you running the show every day. So our schedule is really important in Panto. So when the musical director is running the vocals and the singing, I, I sit with the cast um, because at the end of the day, we are open for longer than we rehearse. We're open for three and a half weeks and we rehearse for two weeks. So for three and a half weeks, I am one of the one of the cast, really. So I need to be one of the cast in rehearsal as well. So I have my time and I'm just sitting with the cast. And then the, when we're doing choreography and, uh, and movement, obviously I'm, I'm learning my steps and learning my choreography. And then when we go into blocking and staging it, obviously I'm, I'm the director. But then they'll be like, I'll, I'll put in for an afternoon where it's, my rehearsal and I put it out the car and I work on all my scenes and I go over and over and, and I say then right I'm an actor and I'll be just running over running over and then I ask them, often the choreographer and the music director to watch and just to see what their their thoughts are and they give me some feedback and they give me some direction and I've been working with these people for a long time so they they, they know what I want they know so it is it becomes a team effort it's, it is difficult in tech because we have to do all my bits twice because I want to see it and then I go and do it. So it, it does take up a bit more time. But as I said, it, it sort of works because I know the theatre very well. I know the stage manager. I know the production manager. I know the theatre staff. I know the line. They all know what I want. So I think it can only work successfully in Panto. I think it's uh, sometimes in smaller theatre companies, you have to because there's no budget. There's not the, there's not the budget there to get a director in as well as the sometimes I've done it because you know it, 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 it's a financial it's an economical thing um, because theatre companies have to make money they have to, they have to pay the wages so sometimes we do that as well um, but Panto it's quite a big show it, it does sort of work and also most directors they'll, they'll do show watches and uh, but they're, they're normally only there for the first two three days normally there for the first four shows something like that and then they disappear and then they'll probably do a show watch here as a director, I'm there all the way along. So I am actually looking after the show as well as company manager and I'm listening to the audience, I'm talking to the actors and some of my actors, will, I'll be like, I think of a note and, that's, and once you get to know them, you're like, you're standing in the wings and I'm like, do you mind if I give you a note? Because if I, if I don't now, then of course, I'll just make sure you do. And it's really unprofessional, but if you know that some of the actors are my, are my really, really good friends now, they completely understand because they know I'll forget about it at the end. So it's, but it's a team effort. It's making sure that show stays fresh. So that's when it can work. That's when it can work. But it's about the team around you, the creators and the cast and the crew working with you.
Yeah, I, absolutely. And I think you touched on something really, really important there, that panto is a completely different skill. It's entirely different art form to everything else. Um, so when you're doing your panto, what would be the top things that you think about when that are different from when you're doing a normal play? So if you're doing your panto, what tips would you give to someone who's maybe their first ever job is going into a panto, what would be like the top tips that you would give them to help guide them in that process? Good question. Um, I always see my pantos, I always think we have to tell the story. Okay. Very, very if we play if we're doing Aladdin, that's what we did last year, um, the little the little Amelia who's six and the little Charlie who's five, and uh, the eight-year-olds and the nine-year-olds, and even the parents, even the adults. They want to see the story. They want to believe that story. They must believe that Jasmine is in love with Aladdin. They must believe the flying carpet. So we, we have to tell the story. We have to make that story magical and believable. That's the first thing. So, okay, there is there is moments when you break the, break, break the fourth wall and talk to the audience, but generally it's only about three or four characters that does that. Generally it's, it's the comic, the dame, the villain, uh, and sometimes the fairy, okay, that could break character. So if, you, if you're playing a prince or you're playing the, the Cinderella or you're playing a Dandini, you're playing these roles, you have to build a character, okay? It's not just, it's such, a, such an art form. You have, to tell, you have to tell the story. We have to believe the characters. We have to make the audience laugh. Um, we have to make the audience laugh. It's like a, you know, we have to make them belly laugh. And also, just like what I did there, has to be the gasp factor, whether it's the transformation, whether it's the carriage scene, whether it's the flying carpet, the beanstalk growing, whatever. We also have to have that sort of the gasp factor, the magic. So it's, it's, it's lots of different elements. It's telling the story, believing the characters, um, making them laugh, and that gasp factor. And for me, who obviously, like, this the year just gone, um, I was wishy-washy, so I was Aladdin's brother. And, you know, I broke audience, I giggled, I laughed, I caught, so I tried to make other actors laugh. But I still played a character. I still developed my character. You know, Widow Twanky, who was a bloke in a dress who I've worked with many times, who was my mum the year before. Um, but that year he was called Sarah the Cook and I was Idol Jackie Dickinson. But, you know, but there's still moments where we have to believe that he's my mum. She's Widow Twanky's my mum and Aladdin's my brother. We still have to be in the story. And sometimes you go and see pantos where the comic and they're not in the story and it, 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 it spoils it for me. Um, so I think every character, every, every character, every actor has to find a character. Even if they're the special actor, the juggler that becomes, I don't know, silly Billy, silly Billy in the castle, he still has to develop a character. We still have to believe they're part of the story, which I think is really, really important. Um, Panto has changed. It's become, it has in elements become more of a variety show with a story. But if we're going to tell a story, let's tell let's tell the story, and that's my main ambition for my for my shows that I direct, my pantos I direct. We have to make them laugh, and we have to tell the story. I think that answers your question. Yeah, it does. That's fab. Yeah, definitely, because it is so different from from acting and having the the realism because you've got to have those moments of the wow factor for the audience and you know people come all year round to see a panto just to feel good so you really need to give them that and it's, it's often and it's a, a cliche but it is often the young people's first visit to a panto it was my first visit to a panto sorry to a theatre it was a panto 
And I still remember it to this day. I was at the Cambridge Corn Exchange in about 1994. Um, Rod Hoenie was in it. Linda Robinson was in it. Falcon from Gladiators. I'm showing my age. Falcon from Gladiators was in it. Um, but I still remember, and that's when I fell in love with the theatre, was those Christmas Eve visits with my family to watch a magical show. And in a way, even though I'm a classically trained actor and I do plays and I do Shakespeare and I do musicals, I do panto because I remember Oliver as a young kid who fell in love with the theatre. And I think that's why it's really special. If you can, you, you allow and you encourage young people to come to the theatre to see, to fall in love with what we do, fall in love with storytelling. And that's why I do panto. Um, it has got some snobbery, but I, I, I think it's quite pathetic with snobbery because it, it, it keeps a lot of people in work and it and we've seen on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook over the last couple of months how important theatre is for economics and restaurants and bars and you know if we didn't have if we didn't have pantomime season theatres wouldn't survive you know someone said quite rightly panto allows us to do pinta um, for the rest of the year because it, it, it keeps the theatre financially going so always remember about the little kid coming to watch panto for the first time their first visit to the theatre and think that's why we do it, to create more theatre-goers in the future. They come to watch a panto, they'll probably come and watch a musical, and they come and watch a musical, they might come and watch a piece of Shakespeare. Shakespeare's not too far from, from panto. It's got a lot of similarities. Um, so, yeah, it's, 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 it's very, very important. Very, very important. And also, hard work. If you're a youngster, just doing your, it's not an easy contract. Two shows a day, sometimes three a day. In the West End, they only do eight shows a week. We could do eight shows across across three days. Sometimes we do two, three show days back to back. It's um, it, it, it's hard work. You have to rest up. You have to look after your body. There is time to party in Panto because there has to be because you're away. Often you're away from home at Christmas. No family, no friends. You have to form your own family, and that's what we do in Panto. So you do go out and have a good time. But it is it is hard work. It is hard work. Absolutely. So if you do get Panto, if you do get Panto for your first job, it's not an easy job. But it's so rewarding and so worth it because we're doing what we love every day, twice a day. <laughs> Absolutely, I think you know it is. It is hard work, but if you've got that passion there, you will you will love it. Um, so, what has been your favourite job or contract ever? <laughs> Good question. Good question. I am one of those people who goes, "Oh, I love this job. I love this show." That when I walk away from, I um. I did Fame, the musical, about four years ago. Um, and we did it on, and it was a tour, and we had so much fun. Um, I played Mr. Myers, who was the acting teacher, ironically. Um, and we had a good card, it was a great show. But I loved that show because I, it, I connected so much to my own training at drama school and making friends and growing up. As that, and that's what you do when you go to drama school. So I felt like I was starting school and graduating every day. Um, when, when I was doing that show and I, and I love the music and I love the energy so I did love that I did love that show um, I, 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 my first ever professional show I directed was a play called A Night at the Bard which celebrated 400 years of, since the death of William Shakespeare and we put together his best the best the, the, the scenes from Romeo and Juliet Beth and A Midsummer's Dream with some sonnets we had some singing we had some dancing and we put that together um, and it all sort of flowed and intertwined together and that was the first show I directed and I think your first one is always really special uh, because it's such a learning curve 
and yeah, that, your first time's always special. Um, so that was a great show. We had a, a tour of Wind in the Willows across the UK two years ago, and we had a great cast for that, and we had, we had some lovely venues, and it's a wonderful story. And we did it for the first two months, and then we had a month off, and we had a cast change for the last six or seven weeks. And that second that second cast change, um, that second set of cast was brilliant. We had a great time. So that was great. But um, I, I think my favourite job is Panto, just because... Um, everything that we spoke about Panto, but there's about four of us on stage that return year in, year out, and they've become some of my best friends, and we get on so well. Uh, we all share gigs together, and we um, we speak every, we speak every week, especially during lockdown, we spoke a lot. Um, and I think the memories that we've shared together has been fantastic. So, um, yeah, it's about, it's about people. When you, when, you, when, you bond, when you bond with people, and you get on with people in a show, and a cast, and a crew, and a band, that's when that's when a show becomes really memorable, um, and we've got a team of us in Panto, so I suppose I suppose I do favour that them a little bit. Um, so yeah, I'll probably say I'll probably say those those jobs. Yeah, amazing. I mean, I always think it's so obvious when you go and watch plays and um, Pantos how close the cast are. I think you can actually always tell in that chemistry, especially with Panto, because there's so much ad-libbing and a little bit of improvisation and like you say breaking the fourth wall and I think it's you can see people bouncing off each other and when they all get on and there's that chemistry there that's like another level like we've spent so much time together you can really tell and it just brings this extra little bit of magic to yeah it's true and I was in Taming of the Shrew two years ago and we got on well as a cast and it wasn't the easiest of, con- easiest of contracts to be in, but we got on so well. And um, we had such a laugh off stage. And Taming of the Shrew, there's some great characters in that show, that, in that Shakespeare play. Um, and I played some, I, I played the best mate of um, Petruchio. I played Grimio. And there was me and the guy that played Gremio, um, and Petruchio. And we, us three got on so well. The chemistry was, it was like we've been working together for years. And I'm not supposed to, those two characters, and not just because, not because um, we fell out, it's just because sometimes job contracts finish and you go your own ways and you, you don't bump into each other again. But we had such a great summer during Taming of the Shrew, such a great play. Um, it's, it's right, we got that, we got on, and there was just that massive chemistry. The same, look, I spoke about the Midsummer Night's Dream um, I'd done four years ago. Um, I do love a Shakespeare. Uh, the guy that played over, we got on really well, and Titania, she was great. And again, the, the the lovers were brilliant. We had that lovers, that lovers, the four lovers scene with Puck. So much fun. Uh, and you're just trying to catch each other's eyes and getting that real reaction in the moment. And because you because you've got that chemistry, the chemistry's real. So yeah, it's it, it's great. It's great. Yeah. That was a good job. It's a nice dream. Yeah, that's you, up there. That's up there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah in fact, well we don't it was a promenade piece in a garden, um, and the audience followed us around. It was just it was just magical. The sunset, lights came up from everywhere. It was just so magical. And again, we talk about telling the story. The story was told so well. Um, and I, I, and it's got a real place in my heart as, as, as Shakespeare. The language is beautiful. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I like a bit of Shakespeare. So with, obviously, those are your, like, favourite contracts. Um, now, 
what are the biggest challenges you faced in your career? What are the contracts that maybe have been more challenging than others? What are the things you think, wow, I learned a lot from that? Um, we all have to make mistakes. And I think the more mistakes you make, as long as they're not too bad, um, the better you become because you, we always learn about mistakes um, and you become better. When I was at drama school, there was a saying at GSA called fail and fail better. So when you fail, you learn from that fail, and next time you'll be better. So fail and fail better. And I remember mucking up a, a minus and a technique class, and I was, I was kicking myself for it. My teacher, Sean, who was brilliant, said, Oliver, you fail, but fail better. Learn from it. So learn from every job. We never stop training in this game. Even me now as a, a lot of acting teaching, I never stop learning. I'm, I'm learning as a teacher as I go away along. When I, when I deliver a class or deliver some deliver an exercise, I think, oh, next time I could, I could add a few more beats. And so, so, you know, we, we, we never stop training, never stop learning, never stop pushing yourself. And the contracts that are difficult, I mentioned that when I came to shoot, it wasn't the best contract. Um, and what I learned from that is never put yourself in that situation again um, because it wasn't, the, it wasn't the situation that made me happy but again we created a great show and we had a good time so there were real lots of pros from it um, and the negatives but learn from the learn from those contracts you do have to and as you get go further in your in your bridge you have feel like you have to earn more money the further you go so a contract has to be worthwhile you have to you have to you know we've all got bills to pay um and that's really important so you have to earn from it you have to you, you you have to want to do it. Don't do a contract that you don't want to do because ultimately you're doing it for the wrong reasons. So always, you know, you, you'd only go out if you feel like it. Come out on Saturday night. Oh, I don't, I don't really. And sometimes you go out and you don't feel like it and you don't have the best night. Just like a contract. If there's something that, whether it's a long contract and you're away from home and you don't like being away from home, whether it's, Financial, whether it's the theatre company, whether it's a park, whether it's a show, whatever. You know, you have to commit 100% to it to get everything out of it. So that's that's really, really important. Um, it's, it's a difficult question. It's just not everything will go right. Um, whether that's the choreographer you work with that you, you disagree with or how the director's directing, you think the... the, the that they're not directing the show very well or you don't connect with them after the rehearsal process or after the show's finished you'll think well, why didn't I connect with them why didn't I believe it and, and you'll probably find out a little bit about yourself about that as well um, so it's, it's about finding out about yourself and how you work I don't think any contracts you know unless you don't get paid or they treat you like um, treat you like the um, and don't ever work for them again but it's it's about it's about learning about you and and what what excites you and how how you work best. It's like a treadmill, you know. You've got to keep that energy, and if you keep that energy and keep that flowing, you'll you'll be okay. Yeah, it's a good question. I don't really know how to answer that. I've tried to answer, it, but I don't know. If no, that's brilliant <laughs> advice, and I think you know everyone says about um, trust your journey and trust your time within opportunities, but they forget to tell you to trust your time with mistakes and trust your time with things that maybe didn't go your way, an audition you didn't get, 
think about the opportunities that it's going to lead you to rejection is redirection and I think you know people don't talk about that enough yeah auditions a difficult one you know I've, now often I'm, I sit on the panel now and I'm often directing the audition and looking for what I want. it's never that they're not you're not talented enough generally it's not normally that you come in and you're not talented enough often like you said before it's about you, you make your preparation might not be right but often it's about the look often it's about who else is in the cast Will you match that person? Will you con? Will you will you contrast that person? Will you conflict that person? Will you compliment? It's often about the bigger picture. It's often about the sound, the look. Sometimes, and I hate to say it, is will they fit the costume? Have we got the budget to make a new costume? And it is sometimes, it's, you know, um, but it's not about. It's never about you. It's often about will they fit in with what we've got. And that's, that's a, so auditions are, I mean, you can go to audition after audition after audition and not get anywhere, not get anywhere, not get anywhere. But then that one comes out of the blue and, 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 and it's there. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it, it's difficult auditions and rejection. But it's something that we have to, when we start in this world of theatre and performing and acting on TV, we know, it's, we know, we know there's going to be some rejection. And we know not everyone's going to love us. There'll be some shows that you think 90% of the audience have, 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 have loved it. There'll be a 10% of the audience that didn't like the show and will criticise it and slate it. But, you know, you're not going to keep everyone happy. You know, the best chefs in the world cook a lasagna. Not everyone's going to like it. Um, and I think that's something to remember. But that, it's okay. It's okay to not win everyone over because we won't. It's natural. Yeah. It's natural. What advice then, last last thing, what advice would you give to aspiring performers who are wanting to do this as a career and have a career in this industry? Believe in yourself. Believe in yourself is so important. And, um, and never say never. So when I was at drama school, all I wanted to be was an actor. All I ever wanted to be was an actor. As I came to the end of my drama school training, in acting terms, my objective changed in the sense of all I want to do is work in theatre. And that's, I left drama school having that in my mind. When I, when I started my training, I just wanted to be an actor. And I love Shakespeare and I love plays and I love Miller and I love musical theatre and I love pan, I love every time. And I just wanted to do it all because I loved it all for different reasons. I just wanted to be an actor. The more I went on my training and the more the more teachers inspired me, I thought, oh, what a great skill, what a great thing to do is teach this craft. But then I started looking at directors and I thought, oh, and then I started having an idea. So my objective train, my objective changed to I want to be an actor too. I want to work in theatre. And that's when I thought, right. So I'm not just putting all my eggs in one basket saying I want to be an actor. I started directing and I started teaching and then I started building up these sort of two careers, really, a performing and a creative career and a teaching career. And then they, they balance each other and they complement each other beautifully. So I think it's um, having the hard work. It is hard work. It is hard work. There's always going to be someone that's going to work harder than you. So make sure you work extremely hard, 100%. Um, so... You know you've done yourself justice, okay? Uh, and if you if you give your one, and everyone's hundred percent is different to everyone else's. If you know that you've given best one hundred percent, 
or Oliver's 100% or whatever, you know you can't give any more. So always give 100%. Always do your preparation. Always turn up to rehearsals ready to rehearse. You know, never be late. Please don't be late. If, you, if you've been cast in a show, don't ruin it by turning up late or hungover or not having the energy to do it. Because if you're not there or you're not on it, they'll turn around and say, can you read this? Can you just try something new? Can you just read this part? And then all of a sudden you think someone else is reading your part and you want it. And it does happen. If you're not there, they'll just get someone else to do it and, and you've lost that scene or you've lost that part. Or you've been, you've, been, you've been moved to another part of the ensemble or whatever. So always turn up. Always be prepared. Always make choices. Always commit. Always have fun. Work hard, but have fun. Because remember why we started it. Why did you start, Beth? When, how, how old were you when you started performing? Um, well, I was four when I started ballet, but I didn't start doing it properly until I was like 13. Because that's when I was like, okay, I do want to do this as a career, like more than just as a once a day in my church hall on a Saturday. <laughs> um, so yeah, I was about 13. Uh-huh. And why did you, why did you keep, why did you keep going back to those dance classes? Why did you keep, why did you want to do it? I think just the love of doing it and escaping everything else. It was just mine and something that I did. And it just made me so happy. I think I always thought it was the dancing. But actually, as I've learned over my time in training and throughout my career so far, um, it's actually been telling the story. It's been the acting side of it that's always kind of followed me through. I've always wanted to tell a story. And I think... Um, I'm a massive storyteller and I like I like doing that so I think yeah it's just the love of doing it and the passion to tell people a story and take them on a journey really is that and that and you, you've summed it up there you know come to rehearsals because we love it always remember why we started I started when I was about eight or nine and little Oliver loved it and I, and I had a passion for it and so much fun bring that fun bring that love bring that passion to rehearsals because the creative team will see it and they'll love working with you. Have fun with it and work hard and then set your standards. Your standards for any show has got to be out there. And a, a, an acting teacher told me many years ago, what makes a professional? And we were like, what makes, being, what makes being a professional? And none of us come up with the answer and he said, consistency. The professionals are so consistent all the time. And just get yourself to a consistent level of professional, professionalism. And then the creators that you're working with will want to work with you again because you've had so much fun. You've, you, you've shown your passion, you've shown your love and you, you've, you, you've kept that consistency going all the way through the run. So that's one big tip. Second big tip is deal with the downside. So a lot of people say you, you must love your job, your performance job, so much. But your second job, you must also love that because sometimes, unfortunately at times, you might be doing that job more than you want. Hopefully not too much, but it might become a time where you don't get a contract for four months, four or five months, sometimes a year. So you've got to love doing that job so you can do that job. So also love that. Um, but I, I think I've covered it again. Learn from the mistakes and um, never burn a bridge. Never burn a bridge because it's a small old industry in this world and um, people talk and um, people will turn up again. It's always, always, always be the bigger man bigger lady and just sort of keep everyone sweet keep talking to everyone um, and, and you'll be alright and it is difficult someone said to me and I'm a bit different at the moment 
someone said to me once, if you get through the first two years, you're fine. So it's getting that first job and doing that everything you said, but it's getting that second job as well. And then suddenly you've got a one job, two job, and then they just start to build. But remember why we started doing it. It's because we love it and we, we find it fun. It's our passion. If we carry that into our jobs, hey, why would why wouldn't we want to employ it? Absolutely. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak to us, Oliver. I think that's a lovely way to end today's um, podcast. But Oliver was one of my absolute favourite teachers. He was fantastic. He was just always such a bundle of energy. And he always passed on like so much wisdom as he taught. He was just brilliant. So um, thank you so much for coming on and having a chat with us, Oliver. Thank you, Beth. And good luck, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Performer Talks and I'll speak to you again soon.